welcome to the Building 58 podcast. We're so excited to be back with you. My name's Chris Taves, and I have my lovely wife, Heather Taves, right next to me. Yes. Thank you for taking my last name. You're welcome. It's kind of a cool thing that you do when you get married. It is. It is a cool thing, even when it's hard to pronounce. Yes. We get called all sorts of things. In fact, we were at the baseball field the other night, and behind us, I heard someone say, what's what's that last name because our son was up to bat and they were like is it toes is it to us what is what is that last name yeah you know it's not a hockey fan when they're asking how to pronounce the name right so so for everyone wondering it's taves like Mm t-a-v-e-s now the now the world knows now the world knows (laughs) yep some people say we should change the spelling of the name to be like it's pronounced but no no, it's too awesome it's a conversation starter yeah Right. And plus, I answer to Heather Toes, so... I answer to a lot of different things. That's true. You (laughs) do. Well, Chris, I'm so glad that I'm sitting here with you doing this podcast. And we really had this call of God in our life, this vision, um, birthed in us a few months ago. It's been there for a while. We just weren't able to articulate exactly what it was and what it looked like. And we were just faithfully serving what God had for us each step in front of us. And then he brought this all kind of to a point where we went, oh, okay, this is the next step. Well, I think it's something that we've been doing with our lives. Mm -hmm. We just haven't put a label on it necessarily. So Building 58 comes from Isaiah 58. It's all about empowering leaders and families. And every single one of you that's hearing my voice is a leader and you come from a family. So Mm -hmm. this is for you. Yeah, that's so good. And one of the things that I love, Chris, is that we've had so many people empower us and believe in us and speak into us, even if they were people we didn't know, Mm -hmm. through um, other pastors, books, podcasts, people we've looked up to, other leaders that have, you know, we've we've listened to their words and we've gleaned from their wisdom. And it, I think it is so cool that God is now raising up the next generation, our generation and the generation below us to say like, okay, here's the next generation yeah. of leaders and that's really what we want to do is is take what we've learned from people above us and pass it down to those around us that's so good heather we were both with uh, a bunch of people from our church at the hillsong um there is more tour that mm-hmm. came through peoria so awesome yeah. or as brian houston would say Prioria. He, he was having a rough time pronouncing it. Peoria and Taves. Yeah, exactly. Both hard things to say. <laughs> but I, I was in the middle of the worship set. I was just reminded by when we were singing, um, there is no other name. Mm-hmm. I was reminded the time that you and I were privileged to go to Sydney yeah. for the week-long Hillsong Conference. And it just reminded me how much that changed our lives. Yeah. Just um, not that we were not following Jesus, we were, but God dropped some things into our, both of our hearts and our spirits and our souls that week that would drastically fill the wind in our sails and yes. push us yes. um, farther, faster, and, and um, towards Jesus, pressing into him more than ever before. And I love so much what um, one of our friends who preached today at our church, just a phenomenal message. And she talked about um, w- when God speaks to you, there's something that happens first and that you've positioned yourself yes. to hear his voice. Yeah. You have, you've, um, 
you're seeking him. And that is exactly what we did when we went to that conference is yes. we were positioning ourselves to hear from God. And I think so often people think, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Why don't I hear from God? But are you positioning yourself? Yeah. Are you taking a seat at his table? Are you in his presence? Are you putting yourself in a, in a place where the distractions are minimal and you can actually hear the voice of God? That's so good. And it's it's so true. It's when you come to God with a desperation, yes, like a brokenness, mm-hmm. that's when you're going to hear the voice of God. In, in our uh, men's Bible study that we were doing, we were going through John Piper's material on desiring God, and he was talking about how worship is just coming to God, being completely broken, yeah, completely and utterly broken, and then letting God put those pieces back together, yeah. rebuilding you. That's so good. Well, Chris, I want to share something that happened to me um, a week ago and talk about it a little bit in terms of what it what it did in my life, what it did in our lives. But I do want to give people a warning that this content might not be suitable for little ears. So if you're listening with your kids around, maybe hit pause and then just listen later when they're when they're not around. It's definitely something that we're encouraging parents to talk with their children about, but it needs to be needs to be age appropriate. Sounds in, good. In your own words. Right. Chris, over the last several years, I have really had an increase in dreams that I feel like God speaks to me in. Specifically, um we've had some encounters uh in the middle of the night, in the nighttime hours where we've had to do some spiritual warfare. We've had to go to go to battle. Like the battle is we know the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers of darkness. And when you are in the kingdoms on the front line of the kingdom of God and you are pursuing the call of God in your life, you will be attacked mm-hmm. by the enemy. Like there's no getting around that. Yeah, if you're not in a battle every once in a while, I'd question where you are. That's if you're right. sitting on the sidelines or if you're actually engaged with the enemy. Yeah. So I've had people say to me before, as we've talked about this whole idea of dreams, it's a very biblical concept. God spoke to people in the Bible. There's a lot of scripture about how he spoke to people in the Bible through their dreams. And so I believe that it is from from God. But I've had people say to me, how do you know if a dream is from God and not from God? And I can't answer that question for everyone, but I know for me in my life, if it's from the Lord, 99% of the time, I remember my dream really clearly. It's vivid. It's almost like I watched a movie and I can remember all of the details. If it's not, if it's just a normal, like I ate some funky Mexican or something, I can't remember my dream. Mm, can't remember Mexican anything. Mexican sounds good right now. <laughs> okay. We got off a little, a little <laughs> off track there. But so for me, that's how I can differentiate if it's a word from the Lord and my spirit resonates with it, yeah. or if it's just a normal dream. I think you said something profound there. If you, if the Holy Spirit, which if you're a Christ follower lives inside of you, will confirm that. Yes. Yes. So last week on Saturday night, I um, had a dream that was really intense and stuck with me to the point that the following day on Sunday, I was mostly near tears the whole day. It just sat on my spirit and my soul in such a heavy way. And I want to share that dream with you um, and with our listeners because I think that there are a couple things that people can take away from this dream. So our family was in this very large, um, open room. Of, in, the, in the dream. Of sorts, in my dream. Okay. 
with hundreds of thousands of other people, a lot of people that we knew, some people that we didn't know, a lot of people that we didn't know. And I can really only liken it to what I would imagine it was like um, when all when the Jews were being gathered up and put on cattle cars mm. and taken to concentration camps. Yeah. Like that's that's what my 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 spirit resonated with it, you know, sure. of those people being gathered together. As we were being led through this room, we could see up ahead that there were four or five doors with stalls in front of each door and people were being put in rows four or five at a time in these stalls and then taken beyond the doors to be executed and mm. killed. And we knew that it was because we were believers of Jesus. We were followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing there in this line. And I remember you looking down at our children and saying to them, guys, it might hurt for a moment, but then you'll be with Jesus. Mm. Then you'll see the face of Jesus. And a little while longer, you know how when you're in a crowd of people and you kind of, you try to stay together, but you get pushed, some people get pushed ahead a little bit. Our kids got pushed ahead of us. And so they ended up in these stalls in front of us. And I can't even tell you the feeling of being behind this rope and seeing our children in these stalls ready to go behind the doors and be executed, be killed. It was a friend asked me later after I told her the story, she said, were you fearful? And I said, I wasn't fearful. I was sad. And as a parent, you never want to see your children put in harm's way. But I knew, I knew what was on the other side. And so as we are standing there and the doors open and our children start to leave and go through the doors, Bennett, our son, turns around and he looks at us and the look on his face, I just, it's seared forever in my mind. And and we're shouting at him. We're shouting at our children, Bennett, Jesus, Juliet, Jesus. And we're just shouting the name of Jesus over and over and over. And other people are crying and, and, and fighting it. And we're just shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the doors close. And then a few minutes later, it's our turn. And we go up and we're in the stalls. And there's a man there who's directing everyone into these stalls. And I look at him and I say, sir, before you take us through there, would you please guarantee me would you please make sure that my children are already gone before you kill us? And just as a parent, I think you want to make sure you're not leaving your children child or parentless, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted that guarantee. And the man didn't respond to me. It's almost like he looked at me like he was a robot, like with glazed eyes. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at you and saying, he has no power over mm-hmm. us. So good. We have the power. Yeah. And all of these people, we have the power and we didn't recognize that we had the power mm-hmm. until that moment when he didn't respond to us. And you you look at me and you're like, let's get him. And we go through the doors and you run over to our son Bennett and, and there's hundreds of thousands of cots of, and people lying on these cots. And I, I don't know why this image sticks in my mind and I don't this detail, but people are all curled up on their sides. It's like they were asleep, but they had been injected with some type of serum or Mm -hmm. something to kill them. You run over to Bennett and you say, Bennett, you are not dead. You are alive. Get up. And he stands up with you. And then I pick up Jules. She's smaller. I pick her up and she's a little groggy. And I'm like, come on, Jules, you're alive. Wake up. You're alive. And we go out and and those the people could not stop us. They Mm -hmm. had no power over us. They were the enemy, obviously. Um, A picture of Satan. Satan's trying to kill us. Mm -hmm. He's 
trying to destroy us. He's trying to take life from us, but he does not have power over us. So good, yeah. But yet if you're asleep and you're just standing there and you're letting it happen, of course it's going to happen if you don't take the power inside of you as a Christ follower. So then it was just a, a second more of my dream and it was our family huddled together and, and this realization that we have power mm-hmm. and two, that we were called for a purpose. And in that moment, I remember our family looking at each other and going, God spared us. We are spared for a purpose. Now, like we have to take that seriously. And then I woke up. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. But I love the ending because it's so true when you're engaging in warfare with the enemy, it's so important to realize that the battle's already won. Like Jesus won the battle on the cross mm-hmm. and we have the power as the people of God. In Ezekiel, it says the people of the kingdom of God have the power. Yes. And that's us. And we need to wake up mm-hmm. as a church, as a yeah. global church, yeah. and fight back. Ours is not to defend something. Ours is to attack. Right. Um, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That's us taking down to the very gates of hell right. and fighting for the furthest heart. Right. Well, and I want to take it even a step further as the church. And I, and I know when you say that, you mean we as people who make up the church, but I want to make it even more personal. Like we as parents, yes, we as individuals, like it is our responsibility to discover that and, and acknowledge that ourselves and believe that ourselves, but then to pass that down to our children too. Yes. That's so good. Like, thanks for clarifying. Cause the church is not a building. Right. The church is you and I. And the church isn't even your leaders or your pastor. No, it's, it's parents that are sitting in, uh, in a building in the suburbs of Peoria or wherever. Right. Because, you know, in my dream, it wasn't a pastor that was standing with us instructing us and our children. It was, it was you and I yeah. as our parents. It's the person children. who doesn't think they're that they're the leader. Yes, that's right. And I love this so much. Hebrews says, this is another thing. And I actually talked to our children about this a couple of days later after I had had some time to process it. Cause it, it really, I was undone by this, not in a fearful way, but in a, Oh my, like an awakening kind of this, this, this responsibility that felt like it kind of came on me mm-hmm. to really train and equip our children even at the next level. And so we talked about this a couple of days later with our kids. And it was so cool because one of the things that we highlighted with them is that death is not the end. Mm-hmm. We are not to fear death. I think mm-hmm. in our society, in our cult- culture, we have been programmed to fear death, that that's the end. And if you don't know Jesus, I can understand that. I, I would fear it too. But Hebrews says this, it says, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So even if we, even if we do die, even if we are and, and we will be, we will suffer for our faith. That's also in scripture as followers of Jesus. I mean, we have a pretty, really good here in the United <laughs> really States. Really good. Really good. We, we take it so for granted, yeah. but there may come a time where we do suffer for Absolutely. our faith and may die for our faith, but we, have got to teach our children and and tell ourselves and teach ourselves not to fear that. And then I love verse 14 from that same chapter. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And that's why we don't fear death. Because when we do die, we see the face of Jesus. That's so good. And I think if we can, man, if we can grasp onto that just a little bit, that this where we're living now, it's temporary. Yeah. V- so temporary. Yeah. It's just like a, a, a little 
instant, a split second of what our eternity will be. Yeah. And whether you spend that eternity with Jesus or God forbid in, in hell, the separation of you from God. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, that choice is, is each of ours to make. Right. But this, this life, what we have, our possessions, they're so temporary. Yeah. But we treat them as if they're everything. Right. And it's that, it's that shift in perspective of recognizing that this world is temporary and that eternity is forever. Um, and then the second thing that really jumped out at me about that dream, and this was specifically for our family, but I think that this can translate into other people's lives and they can take this too and, and take this call on them is just the call of God on each one of us. Mm -hmm. And hear me when I say that it looks different for every single person and it looks different for every single family. And we can't sit here and tell you what the call of God is on your specific life. That's something the Holy Spirit guides you in and leads you in. We, we can answer questions. We can give you, um, help in discovering that. But for us, we know that we have each have an individual call. Yeah. on our lives. We have a call as a couple, but it goes further than that. We have a call as a family. Yeah. And in that moment of my dream, I just remember thinking, if I can impart, if we can impart to our children this faith, this unshakable, immovable faith in them, that Jesus, the name of Jesus, serving Jesus, the power they have in Jesus is the most important mm-hmm. thing. We have succeeded yeah. in all of our parenting. Absolutely. And living for a home beyond where this world is, a home for eternity, living for the king and not making stuff or whatever your God, but flipping that on its head and saying, man, I'm going to live my life for Jesus, 100% dropping anything else that would get in the way of Jesus. Yeah, that's so good. In 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And I love the way the Passion Translation puts this. It says, He gave us resurrection life. Now, when you think about that, resurrection life, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, right? It says, God gave us resurrection dead. Do we live as if we've been resurrected? Mm-hmm. Or do we do we live as if we're dying? You know, what? It, we're living the same way that Jesus lived after he was resurrected because God gave us that life. Yes. And then it says he drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And what I love about that is um, I think a lot of times we think about living a holy life as is something that we need to work at, to accomplish. But I love how this verse says it. It says his holy calling on our lives, his holiness put on us through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the atonement of Jesus, so that we could live out our lives in his holiness. Yeah, it's not our righteousness. It's not our holiness. It's his because, like like you said, when Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. Our old man died with him. And we need to keep that old man dead, not try to resurrect that old, old man. Yes. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you and I, everyone else, rose with him. Yeah. And that's the new life that we have in him. That's the glory. That's his holy calling that he put on us. Yeah. So we need to keep that old guy dead, that old girl dead, and live in that new girl, that new person mm-hmm. that he put on yeah, us. Yeah, that's so good. And I think just as admonishing parents and empowering parents to say, have these conversations with your kids mm-hmm. in age-appropriate ways. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to talk to them about death about what it looks like to not fear death. And then 
Don't be afraid to begin to discuss and dream and vision cast for the call of God as a family. I guarantee you that if you start doing that with your children, they'll catch the vision and they'll start living it out, Mm. maybe sometimes even more than you do as an adult, because kids' faith is just like instant, like they just get it, they believe it. it. You know, so you might need to you might need to believe it yourself first. That you're called. Yep. And then and then take that, you know, to your family and say, like, this is what is our family calling? Absolutely. We've been set apart, we've been called for a purpose. That's good. That's good. And define it. You know, if you need to label it or define it, like, what's God? You know, the church is, you and I, everyone, has been called a body. Mm-hmm. So not everyone's a nose. Right. Not everyone's an ear. Right. You know, we've all, but when we're together, yeah. like hands, feet, everything functioning together, it's beautiful. Yeah. And if, you know, God has a lane, a purpose for every person, every family. And if you can find that and run in it, it's yeah. a beautiful thing. And it makes the body of Christ, the church function so beautifully. So can we get really specific with people? Because I think sometimes people just need to hear um, what other people are doing, not to copy, but just to go, oh, okay, that helps me be able to define mine. So I would say for our family, we have some very specific calls in our family. One of them is leading the local church. Yes. And that's not, not everyone is called to do that. And that's okay. That's just one aspect of, of a purpose and a calling on our life. So for our family, our kids know every single Sunday, like our priority above everything else is going very early on Sunday mornings, setting up, doing all the dirty work, you know, cleaning the gross floors, refilling the toilet paper, setting all the chairs out, all that stuff so that the local church can meet Mm -hmm. to come together and worship God. And our kids know, like, that's what we do, right? And then another thing that our family is really called to is having people in our home yeah, and caring for people and loving people and sitting around our table and hearing their stories and showing them that we love them. And for our family, those are two very specific callings that um, God has put on our hearts and our kids know them and they, they participate in those. That's good, Heather. I think whatever your calling is, whatever the way to know that your calling is God-given is if it points to eternity. Yeah. If it's pointing towards Jesus, if it's 100% towards Jesus, I mean, we've got friends that are, that do great work, woodworking yeah. that points towards Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, we got, we have friends that are teachers that point toward Jesus. Like yes. whatever it is, yeah. as long as it's pointing towards Jesus and to true north to where the true home is. Right which is in heaven, not right. here, mm-hmm. then that's how you know you're walking and you're calling. It might be um, being a soccer coach and pointing people to Jesus and Absolutely. and loving people who don't know who Jesus You know, I think a lot of times we think, well, we're here in the United States. Like everybody knows this. They just choose not to receive Heather, it. Heather, there's missionaries from third world countries that are coming to the United States yeah. because so many people here need Jesus. Right, right. This, we are just... Um, We've been lied to by the father of lies, and we're sitting here in our comfortable houses and comfortable eating comfortable meals in our comfort, and we're dying. We're a flourishing nation that is desperate for hope, for the hope of Jesus. So the same day that you had your dream, we found out, this is last weekend, we found out that there was a terrible accident in Canada. Yeah. And... It was uh, a minor league hockey team up in Saskatchewan, uh, the Humboldt Broncos. They were traveling uh, on, a, on a highway there, and their bus uh, got hit by a semi-truck. Yeah. 
and 15 of the 30 some people on the bus were gone. Lost their lives. Lost their lives. Um, Some went to be with Jesus and I'm sure some didn't. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly. But between those two things, your dream and that happening, Mm -hmm. it just wrecked us. Yeah. And um, it was very significant for us as it was for many people because our son plays hockey and putting ourselves in that position of those parents waiting at that hockey rink for the bus to arrive with their sons was yeah heart-wrenching. And you know, you always ask the question in those moments, like, how does God let this happen? Yeah. And I don't have answers for that, but I know that God is good. Yes. And I know that Satan had came to kill and steal and destroy. Right. But I also know that God uses evil things for his good, for his purposes. Yes. And one of the amazing things that came out of this tragedy was that the funeral was aired on national television in Canada. Mm. And the, the gospel was preached like yeah. word for word, Jesus, like, I guarantee you, yeah, people got saved. Yeah, and if you know Canada, socialist country, like <laughs> Jesus is um, trampled under feet. Mm. So for that to happen mm-hmm. is a miracle. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's just one of the amazing stories that's coming out of this tragedy. But yeah. you know, we talked with our, our son about it, and they had this cool social media thing about man, put your stick out on yeah. your porch, and yeah. we did that. He put all of his sticks yeah, out on our did. porch, <laughs> and uh, we were having a men's Bible study the nights so that the men were coming in our house, like, hey, what are all the sticks doing? Yeah. And yeah. we kind of talked about that as well. But uh, it reminded me of something that Moses wrote in Psalm ninety. He said, um, teach us to number our days Mm. so that our hearts may grow in wisdom. Mm. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is, man, teach us, God, to number our days. Like, we might not have five more breaths. Yeah. We've got to make every single moment count. That's right. And um, I, I started thinking about that, and I think about the life of Moses. And, you know, he he was an amazing guy. He um you know, he got adopted into the royal family in Egypt and became a prince in Egypt. And he grew up and, and saw his, his real family. Yeah. The Hebrews being persecuted and slaves and, and ev- all the hard work that they did for Pharaoh and, and the, just the torment that they endured. And then he got so angry about it one day that he killed a man. And then ran away in, in fear and shame. And he, then he's wandering around in the wilderness and gets married out there. And one day, you know, he starts kind of being a shepherd, taking care of sheep and that life. And then one day he sees this bush that's burning. You know the story. He comes up on it and it's God speaking to him from the bush, like in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. near Mount Sinai. And God reveals the the holiest name ever, Yahweh, mm-hmm. to Moses. Mm-hmm. And he says, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. And I can't even imagine that moment. And he's got a job for Moses to do. Yeah. He's got a calling for him. Yeah, and so right. he goes back to Egypt. And you know, through a whole series of events with Pharaoh, 
convinces Pharaoh, God convinces Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron to let the people go. Yeah. And they escape Egypt. They're at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh changes his mind, comes after them. Everything's hopeless. There's no way of escape. God, of course, uh, through Moses, parts the Red Sea. They escape on dry ground. The Egyptians die. And they're on their way to the promised land. They've been delivered. It's a picture of our deliverance, what Jesus did for us, coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And they take this journey in what should have been 40 days, takes them 40 years, because they were like you and me. They messed up. Mm -hmm. They disobeyed God. Mm -hmm. They come to Mount Sinai, and and everyone was so afraid of God (laughs) that that they wouldn't go up the mountain. God wanted to be with his people, (laughs) just like he's with us right now, like inside of us indwelling us he wanted to be with his people but everyone was too scared and so moses went up alone and he sees god face to face he meets with god and you know getting the ten commandments he comes back down and the people are partying worshiping idols just like you and i do not realizing where our true home is Yeah. yeah and they go through that whole thing so many things happen god blesses them with quail and manna and they grumble and complain about it and they take this horribly long journey, which, you know, I'm afraid many of us mm-hmm. are on the same journey. Mm-hmm. What should take us 40 days takes a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even then we don't get it. Mm-hmm. And this calling, I'm telling you, find your calling. Press into God. He'll show you your calling. Mm-hmm. But you have to get desperate. Like like our friend said this morning at church, you have to get desperate for him yeah. to, to be able to hear from him. Yeah. And so Moses, a fast forward um, to where Moses is the end of his life. Deuteronomy 33, and Moses, he, he's a poet. He's, he writes some of the Psalms. So he writes this song, and he recites it, this poem. He recites it to the Israelites, which is just awesome. It's in De- Deuteronomy 32. At the end of um, 32, God says to Moses, he says, okay, go to the mountains, go to Moab, east of the river, and which is right across from Jericho, and climb out there and look at the land of Canaan. Look at the land that I'm giving to you guys, Hmm. to your people. Hmm. They're going to possess it as their own possession, but here's the thing, you're not going to go in. Hmm. You're going to die here. And I mean, can you imagine, like, you've done all this stuff for God, um, but you you don't get to go in with the people because mm. you messed up, hmm. and and some of the people messed up. We've all messed up. Yeah. And I've always been so saddened by that fact that that Moses like stood there looking at the land, mm-hmm. but he couldn't go in. Mm. And um, you know, Joshua is the transition between Moses and Joshua. And there's always, like you said in the beginning, there's always another generation. Yeah. And we can't be so selfish to think about just ourselves yeah. and not realize that it's about more than just us. It's right. about the Joshua coming after us. Mm-hmm. And our lives are, uh, God says, for a thousand generations. Yeah. That's how long his love is mm-hmm. towards the people that he loves. And uh, so he's standing there on that mountain. He doesn't get to go in. But if you flip back to Psalm 90, this is what he writes. I love this. He says, Lord, through all the generations... You have been our home. Hmm. You have been my home. And here's Moses, a guy that's a nomad. He's he went from a prince hmm. to a slave mm-hmm. to a sheep herder mm-hmm. to leading people to climbing mountains mm-hmm. to seeing the face of God. But he knows where his home is. Yeah, it's not 
an earthly home. It's so good. And you know, the next time we find Moses dies, and we know the story, Joshua leads the people into the promised land. You know, the next time we find Moses, Hmm. he's on a mountain Hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. Mount Transfiguration. Yeah. Jesus, Moses, Elijah. Yep. In the glory of God. I just love that. Yeah. That's so good. It's such a good word. And I, I think we can get a little hung up sometimes on finding our calling um, and making it about us and going back to that verse where it talks about his holy calling. It, I often think if, you, if you're struggling with that, maybe look and think about, is this calling pointing to me or pointing to Jesus? And if it's pointing to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, you're probably in the right place. You're probably doing the right thing. And I, I love what you said about Moses knew where his home was. That is how we are to live our lives. Everything, it makes everything here on earth, the good things, the hard things, the suffering, the pain, the joys, it makes everything in right perspective when we mm. know where our home is. So good, Heather. In um, the greatest love chapter of the Bible ever, 1 Corinthians 13, there's a verse that talks about this. And my brother and I memorized this when we were kids. Yep. And wherever we got to this part, it, we'd laugh. I don't know why, because <laughs> it was a weird thing. But it says this in the Amplified Version. It says, For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly. It's mm-hmm. a blurred reflection. It's a riddle. It's an enigma. It's... But but when the time of perfection comes, when we get to the other side, yeah. we're going to see the true reality face to face. See, yeah. we're not even living in the true reality. There's a dimension beyond what our physical eyes can see yes. that only our heart can see. Yeah. And that's where we need to let our heart lead us and not our, our physical eyes. Um, and, and then that's, of course, when it says, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, and I love this in the Amplified Bible. It says, um, "I'm fully known by God. Mm. He knows us fully. We we can only catch glimpses of Him, mm-hmm. like Moses caught a glimpse of His backside on Mount Sinai. Yeah. We can only catch glimpses of these glory, but yeah. man, when we get those glimpses, we need to hang on to those. Yeah, that's so good, so much. That's so good. It's a good word. Well, thank you for listening. We really hope that something that you've heard today." empowers you, um, gives you hope, uh, maybe gives you a little bit of a nudge towards seeking this out for yourself and finding out what your own calling looks like and having these conversations with your spouse or sometimes just with yourself. You and God just need to hash it out Mm -hmm. and figure out what that looks like and knowing that death is not something to fear, having these conversations with your children and know that you are put here for a purpose. You are put here. God has such a desire to see you live out fully how he's designed you and how he's created you. I'd say challenge you to take a step towards Jesus today, however small that might be. You know the things that he's put on your heart. Yes. The stuff that you've been pushing down, he's put it there maybe since a young age that you're what you're calling, uh, maybe just a fragment of what you're calling is, but you know that next step to take. I guarantee you if you press into him, he will tell you what to do. And can I also say, if someone else is doing something similar, don't let that stop you. Like the world needs you. The oh, world yeah. needs your voice. The world needs your perspective. And it takes all of us doing our part to 
let this light of Jesus shine as brightly as it possibly can in a world that is desperate for hope. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Building 58 podcast. Uh, We're going to be doing some awesome things coming up in the future. So stay tuned to our Instagram, uh, to our channel here. And if you have any questions or comments, we love your feedback. We'd like to know if you have anything specific about your calling that you want to ask about. Um, Email us at building58bldg58team at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to answer your questions and get back to you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.